Hello everybody. This is the Translation Confessional Podcast. Translation and Politics Today we'll talk about a very important topic. Politics in Translation Hoffa sat down with Nicolás Arizaga, English and Spanish translator and interpreter at Pole Translations. He explained the crucial role of language professionals who assist politicians, campaigns, and political parties who wish to connect with an audience that speaks a foreign language. When it comes to working in politics, translators go beyond translating. We act as language advisors and transcreators to help craft a message to a completely different demographics than that of the original message in the source language. Considering that, the role of translators and interpreters in political campaigns and time in office is crucial to connect, bridge, and influence bilingual and non-native speaking constituents in their own language. And, if you'll be attending the American Translators Association Conference in Los Angeles this year, be sure to check his session, Political Translation, Speech Writing, Storytelling, and Discourse Analysis. His session will explore transcreation strategies that take into consideration the sociopolitical, intercultural, and ideological biases present in the target language's audience. Have you heard of Newsly? It's an all-in-one super audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web and reads them to you. For the first time in ever, the entire web is now listenable, and you can find it all in one place. Browse articles about a variety of topics, sports, technology, business, science, languages. Newsly even has digital radio from different countries. They have podcasts in different languages, too. And, yes, Translation Confessional is on their list as well. Download Newsly for free at www.newsly.me and use promo code TRANSCNF, which stands for Translation Confessional, to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Check this episode's description to copy the link and promo code. Then, lay back as Newsly brings you the news, so you can stop scrolling and start listening. So today I'm here with Nicolás Arisega, and he is a translator and interpreter who specializes in political translation. So I was really curious when I saw one of his posts, and I wanted to talk more about it because I had some components of politics in my translations, but I just was very fascinated by the idea of people that actually specialize in that area and what kind of projects they work they work with. So, Nicolas, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us how you started as a translator interpreter, that would be great. Of course. Um, so, good morning, good evening, um, everyone. My name is Nicolas Arisaga. Um, I uh, am a political scientist. I got my um, bachelor and master's in political science as well as international studies. And I always had a deeply love for languages. I had the luck or the privilege, I, I guess, it's to go to a French school while growing up. So uh, French was my second language. And um, by the time I was 11, the idea of the school would be 
to have kids fluent in French with native speakers. When I was 15, I came to the United States for my first time, and that's when I became familiar with English a little bit and started actually getting um, English added to you know uh, my, my my language. Um, and so, when I graduated from political science, I was really interested in finding a way where I could combine both of my passions, both in English uh, and Spanish, um, in a way that would be meaningful. Um, and so I did um, discourse analysis as my, um, let's say, specialization when I was uh, doing my master's. And so in that, I felt really in disadvantage because a lot of my classmates that were native speakers did a better job, obviously, in uh, certain language uh, skills in English. And so I've always felt like in a disadvantage in, in that way. Um, but then when I started thinking about how I could apply this um, in a way that I could uh, use my Spanish, um, you know, because I think I would have been, you know, better off if, if you know, I was in those competitive bases. So um, I did uh, translation and interpreting um, with uh, my, uh, I've always been an advocate and I've been advocated since I was 12 years old. And so um, when I, you know, I've always used translation and interpreting because of, you know, grant writing whenever uh, we needed funds and um, whenever we had international people coming into, uh, I'm from Cuenca, Ecuador. And so um, that is how I started with translation and interpreting. But never really thought of as a career because back then Cuenca was not as famous as it is today for um, expats, for example, and, and for interpreting. Now it's it could be a career in Cuenca as well. Um, but then I was in um, Wyoming, where there's not as much of a diversity, I guess, that many other places in the states. And so um, these language components and these language skills were hidden for a little bit in. In, in that regard, in terms of um, what I could do um, in, pol in the political way. Um, however, when I moved to Colorado, um, actually in 2020, um, I found a way in, in which I could contribute. You know, it was the way that I was understanding not only the, you know, the language and the academics probably, but also, you know, a little beyond that because it was a, a political. And, um, the first thing I thought it was, I need a mentor. I need somebody that would teach me and guide me in how to become and you know develop these skills. And so when I started first looking at literature, um, you know about political translation and um, how to use discourse analysis, narrative frameworks, and then different theories that could be applied directly in translation or interpreting, um, to, you know, to make your product a little more um, quality, let's say, in terms of what is the scope of, of your discourse? What is the, the scope of, of, of your marketing or what, what are you trying to do with it? And so um, the idea of translation, you know, it's, it's to convey a message, but the idea of political translation is see how does this message, you know, resign with your audience and what is the decision making after receiving this information? And so, for example, when we are doing um, campaigns, um, sometimes it's, um, positive uh, to have a you know a bilingual message one in English and one in Spanish you know in the same page but sometimes it isn't sometimes like the fact that you just receive a message in Spanish for example or uh, your native language whichever this would be you know um, 
it resigns a little better because one, neurolinguistically neuro speaking, it responds to another part of the brain. Uh, you are reading with a different part of your brain. You're 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 really communicating with uh, with almost your mom first because that's where you learned it. And so the idea is to use language as a way of transmitting a message, but not necessarily have to do you know meaning to meaning because not always and as, a, as translators and interpreters know better that in we cannot always translate things. And the idea would be what is the most equivalent thing politically and culturally relevant speaking um, to find a message that would convey what you're trying to say. Um, so I'd say political translation in a way is um, mostly the background and the research that uh, the demographics, the, the political research and the policy research that we do beforehand um, to, to try to see who's our audience that we're delivering this to and in which frameworks and which scenarios are we we're delivering this message and so regardless if we're you know the most experienced translators and interpreters um sometimes we need you know methods of the madness right so like sometimes we get used to a way of doing things that changing is a little a little harsh but um this is really training translators and interpreters to think in a different way um, when it, it comes to the decision making of word choice, right? So because we are always at the end of the day the ones that are delivering the message, and so as interpreters and translators, uh, you know the word that we're choosing every three seconds it's it's important, and it relies on people. And, and you know, in in this case, in a political scenario, it will be the words of a candidate, you know. And so we we have to be a little more mindful of how is the candidate looking and portraying his image and his message um into the audience so i guess i came back to the you know translation and um interpreting industry very empty-handed i'd say because i couldn't find really people that were like doing this particularly and i got really interested um because a lot of first i and i'm speaking you know about spanish and about latino communities because you know that's like the population that speaks to me um, but you know, in the industry, I've, I've got requests for Vietnamese, for um, Chinese, um, Mandarin, or um, you know, there's you know, candidates want and nowadays um, they are really trying to speak to um, diverse populations, and so we're trying to think about as the United States, we are really the melting pot, like you know, the the the, the what we thought about what what it was and. Um, so what it became after the years, you know, of, you know, first immigrants, first generation Americans, second generation Americans, and how they have been shaping the uh, future of this country and, and the way of bilingualism or like sometimes when, you know, other cultures collide, there's th three languages in, in, on the table. And so how do you, you, you put these languages and these cultures because, you know, the, the cultural component in every language is, is, is the key part for like the whole work. And so um, that is really how I like to think about political translation is as trying to see and understand politically speaking where you are and who you're speaking to. And that is very important. Um, if I am translating for Latinos in Central Florida, I'm not going to be using the same words as I'm using for Latinos in New Mexico. Um, these are completely different populations with different identities, with different prides, with different uh, backgrounds. And so um, 
one the border crossed them and in the other they crossed the border or you know and so that makes a completely different shape and mindset and uh you know belonging and you know one has maybe two passports the other one only has the american one because they you know they've always been here um but they still speak the language right and so uh we need to think about all these cultural um components about um the language right <laughs> and so i guess that wasn't a long answer but uh that was i guess in, in a nutshell what political translation is <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, perfect, because my follow-up question to how you got started was how you got started in political translations. But you came kind of the back way because you already had an interest and you were studying political science, and then you became a translator to combine your language skills and your knowledge, so that's perfect. And as you were talking about it, I was just thinking about how complex it must be because of a variety of countries that speak Spanish, so how to, like you said, cater to the target audience. Because of course, Florida, New Mexico, California, the population is completely different. And I do like the fact that you're talking about how politics and translation and the Latino community, it's not just about people who have come here because of whatever reason, reasons as immigrants. And then they became citizens, now they register to vote, and now they can vote. It's not only about that. Like you said, and I have friends, personal friends, that they say the same thing, the border crossed us. We've always been here. So uh, my family goes generations and generations in this territory, and now it's the United States. So right. historically, we have communities that have always been in what is now the US territory, and they have other languages that they speak. And that also goes with uh, indigenous languages. It goes with other different kinds of communities that have come here, like French in New Orleans or uh, Dutch in Pennsylvania. So there's this variety of uh, cultures and backgrounds that have to be taken into consideration when we're talking about the political process as well, right? So what kind of projects do you work on more often? Because we think about election and, you know, like you said, uh, having the, the political message when there's a, a candidate running for uh, for office. But do you only work more often during elections or what do you work on <laughs> after the election cycle, before the election cycle? Sure. So I guess let's back up a little bit and let's try to think about what politics are in a general sense in the United States, right? So um, we have two different ways of campaigning. Um, the first one would be, you know, as you're saying, you know, elections and with candidates. And so, for example, a name becomes a movement. You know, there's people behind a name. And so uh, a name becomes a brand. And so this brand has to speak to a certain audience and this brand has to um, portray certain values. And so it's it's really about how you develop this personality, per se, right? And so um, what I'm trying to uh, make, uh, or not make, but have, you know, clients understand is like, 
that in Spanish or in Portuguese or in Chinese or in Vietnamese, we have the exact same responsibility of creating an image and building an image and a political image in this particular audience. And so, um, as you said, in Spanish, we have so many countries that are, you know, represented here in the United States very well. And so, who are we speaking to, right? Um, in which, in w in which ways are we speaking to them? You know, if I use a que chévere or un que padre, you know, between Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, and Ecuador, right? Um, I'm speaking to two different people, and just by using one word, they're like, oh wow, yeah, they, you know, they're speaking to me now, right? Um, so we're not speaking about plain language, we're speaking about, you know, uh, language and use. And so um, for a candidate in particular, you know, yes, obviously every two years is, is, it's, it's election cycles and that's when they become interested in, okay, what are we saying to people? Um, but also um, there's um, issue-based campaigns where for example, um, women get together and they, you know, start this movement and they become this um, powerful thing. But um, also, this powerful thing has a lot of money, right? And and this money has to be managed somehow. And so this movement becomes, uh, you know, one of these lobbying uh, parties. Well, not not parties because they're not affiliated necessarily with a, with a party. But they are affiliated with an ideology, right? And so their flag is like, you know, women rights or LGBTQ rights or, you know, uh, uh, guns, you know, uh, you, you, you name it. But like a lot of people would fund these um, movements in order for them to nudge politics, right? And make things happen. And that's how we, we, we call lobbying, right? And so this is how um, lobbying also needs a movement you know, also needs people behind it and needs. And so, for example, in um, the Spanish speaking world, a really good example of these are the immigrant rights movements, right? So uh, we need a lot of the, uh, those things translated. We need a lot of those things to speak to people, to actually mobilize people, to actually make people aware and not only aware, but, you know, hey, let's nudge you. So like we in, in political translation, we think, that we think about many ideas in the fact of, okay, um, what are the emotions that we're trying to to look at? Uh, is it hate? Is it love? Is what are we trying to portray? Somebody's a hero, as a victim. Um, you know, what are these people going to feel right after either hearing or reading whatever you are trying to say? Um, and so, it's it's a lot of ways where you could use political translation and not necessarily in elections. Um, but let me tell you that elections have way more they well, they like more this this type of strategies because um this is when you know it's crucial for them on having the votes or not in this case you know yeah and do you work with um uh, documents or more uh, audiovisual what kind of projects that come your way um so let's say we work a lot with um documents too um there's a uh, you know, pieces of mail that you receive. There's um, a lot of, um, you know, d documentation that actually need to be translated that are like pages and pages long. Um, you know, the idea is um, we focus really on marketing and how you portray your, your, your identity and your, and your campaign and everything. However, there's always the, the legal part, right? So um, there's always like how you being liable and how you're being, you know, 
consistent, you know, not only with your message, but also with um, all the legalese behind it. And so we need to understand that there's, you know, all sorts of um, populations reading or watching or, you know, uh, we're talking about millions of people. And so um, we need to we need to be consistent. So we try to be OK. We have the legal part and we have the political part. We, we work a lot with nonprofits as well. Um, and so it, it's about seeing and understanding the text um, and trying to understand what the audience will perceive and think. And, you know, it, it really comes about the idea of after reading this text or after receiving this information, what are they going to do, right? Where, what are they going to look at? What are they going to Google? Like, you know, the, the idea is trying to understand um the the profile of the reader or, or the audience it really depends on really the client and, and on, on what the projects have your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm just thinking of million things that could stem from it. Because the main um, connection that I would have with this kind of material, because I don't translate very political material, um, it's more governmental for like immigration assistance. I do that a lot. But okay. thinking about political discourse and how to portray an image and choosing your words, the main thing that I can connect with, you know, 20, 22 years ago, sitting there in class um, to study journalism and analyzing uh, headlines from uh, newspapers right. or analyzing how the coverage was on TV or radio. So we learned so many things in political science class within journalism school that really applies to a lot of what you're saying. And it fascinates me. Um, it's something that I do when I'm consuming the news, but I don't have this opportunity of choosing the words and knowing how to um, direct the discourse a certain way and it's fascinating because it's almost like marketing you're selling a product right uh, and it just happens to be a candidate <laughs> it happens to yeah. be a platform it happens to be a movement that deals with politics and will affect um, social economic and other spheres but it's it's just fascinating how it also goes into trans creation because like you were saying it, it depending does. on that, that's it exactly, exactly. because uh, if you have to give a, a, a kind of example of what trans creation is when like my students ask me but what's the difference between translation and trans creation well that's a great uh, uh, a great example of how you have to know your target audience and you have to know okay this word will have an impact on this group or this group and you have to choose it carefully and just decode the message and change the message in a way that it stays the same because like I said legal you know they have a whole process of creating the original in English for example but you have to know how to have that message come across to the target audience and create the same feeling the same reaction the same call to action if it's to uh, donate if it's to volunteer if it's to vote for someone or uh, support a platform so it's it's extremely fascinating. I really like what Thank he's you. saying.
And uh, what are your thoughts on accessibility during election? Because um, uh, not to go into too many details or to uh, explore this further uh, politically, but otherwise this episode we have like, you no. Know, three hours or something, but there's so much now going on in the election process. And um, I'm also thinking about Brazil because we are in an election year right now and thinking about we've always been using the the machines to vote and now they're talking about let's go back to paper uh, voting. So there's so much information that goes around and um, even people who are consuming the original product in English are having questions and have to research and have to form an opinion about it. So how do you see this kind of accessibility in language to bring the information to audiences that don't speak uh, English because we're talking about here the United States and the American process? I think we have to um, understand first of, you know, talking about the case of the United States particularly. Um, you know, we don't have an official language, right? Talking about, you know, as, as you said, Ecuador, for example, um, we do have Spanish as the official language, uh, you know, recognized in the constitution among other indigenous languages. Um, however, you know, here in the States is, um, you know, a language of custom, right? Like uh, it was the majority who spoke English and then the majority, you know, wrote the constitution. And so they, therefore, just became the language, right? Um, then we think about the um, uh, the civil rights movement and um, you know what we're thinking about discrimination and everything. So all all of these um, policies really make it a little more inclusive uh, with the Civil Rights Act. Um, so we're trying to not discriminate for na national origin or language or anything like that, right? And so um, when we're trying or we think about elections, um, particularly, um, we need to think about um, what do we perceive or what do we conceive in when we think about elections, right? And so, for example, one of the biggest things are that I can think of, you know, as a political scientist is um, the dual party system in the United States and the multi-party system. You know, I'm not going to say everywhere else, but uh, basically in uh, many other places, for example, I, um, you know, the idea of you being affiliated within a political party and, you know, participating within the primaries of that political party, and then um, you're going to like the general elections, and then understanding what the electoral college is, and how these states have a weight or not, depending on their population, you know, it, it, it's a really complex co concept to just say, vote for me, right? And and, and so, like, how do you say all, all I just said, you know, just to start this on a little intro of American politics, um, to say, vote for me, and this is how it's how going to work. Um, so the idea of voting, you putting your trust in somebody to represent you in government. Um, and so that's the, the idea of representative democracy, right? And so, we understanding that, um, you know, in, in an American context um, needs to have, you know, a, a, um, a lot of real notes or like, you know, put, you know, saying like, this is how it's going to work. Again, we, we, we're not gonna try to uh, explain the whole system because that would be like, you know, pages and pages and pages. But we need to, you know, chew a little bit of the content and try to like, you know, 
put in a way that would be relevant and meaningful um, for them to understand a certain concept or a certain thing that you're trying to portray in, in these documents. So when we think about accessibility, you know, sure, you know, I can translate beautifully, you know, uh, theory to theory, you know, of election material to election material, right? Um, but then when it goes to our audiences, um, you know, what are audiences really getting out of this material, right? Because, you know, I, I put as an example of the courts, you know, when we are interpreting um, in, into Spanish, we're creating and like fabricating a new, you know, system of the courts because a jury, at least in Ecuador, doesn't exist. So for me, just like to uh, explain this jury thing, because, you know, you cannot explain when you were like, you know, in court, um, you're just, you know, you say jurado, right? But there's no explanation, right? So that is why there's so many um, problems with accessibility with, you know, like the legalese and everything too. So it's, it's the same idea here in, in the political way. Um, so what we think about here is political cultures, um, how they shape and start and become uh, or uh, decide to vote for a certain candidate or not. And nowadays is a little more complex because of social media and all the algorithms that let us see only what we like and what we agree with and people that are okay with our ideas and legitimize our ideas. So um, in this era, our word choice is really important because if I'm going to the other side and they've never heard these words before, it, it will not make any sense to them. But if I come to my same side and like I speak the same language, this is gonna be so much easier. So even in ideologies, we have different languages that, that we're speaking you know, within the same language. And so we need to think about all of those components in each one of our languages, right? In each one of our populations and how that is portraying, how it is developing. And um, in, in political science, we, we think about, for example, the voters, right? Um, People who have voted Democrat for all their lives and they're in their 60s. People who have voted Republicans for all their lives and they're in their 60s. That data really shows that they're not going to really change their decision or decision making. It doesn't matter, you know, what the mega rocking campaign I'm doing because they are done. You know, they are they know who we're going to vote for and who is their party that are going to listen to them and who, you know, is speaking more their language again. Um, and so when we think about that in other languages, we need to actually, you know, go both places and see, okay, how am I going to, to speak to uh, these people that are Republican, uh, you know, in Spanish, or who these people are, you know, Republican in Spanish, or Democrats, sorry, in Spanish. Um, so there's a lot of language components in, in each of the populations that you're, you're trying to target, and your word choice is really what it's heavy um, on this. So um, understanding the political culture within accessibility, it's really, really important um, because of what you're trying to explain, if that is what you're trying to mean with accessibility, right? Uh, uh, like a meaningful understanding of the text or just translating a text for the sake of saying, sure, like, you know, they are, we're gonna include them and, you know, follow the, the rules or, you know, whatever, but, not really doing a meaningful connection. So um, that's really what we try to focus on. And what 
what are the bridges that we're trying to build and how they look like and are they pretty or not pretty how how long are they going to last right so that's a little bit of a civil engineering in translation i guess <laughs> yeah it is it's so multi-layered because it's not just about the product in this case it's not about the audience it's about just really persuasion it's just uh, something that we always heard in journalism school it's convincing the hearts and minds and bringing them to your side so yeah it's it's just completely complex like you said especially in a system like we have in the United States and uh, I voted for the first time in 2020 and I I have to say, I you know speak English, I could read all the materials, but still I had to understand why did my ballot for the primaries now look different than my husband's because we are registered differently. As an independent, as a Democrat, you get different ballots because uh, he Correct. mentioned, uh, oh, uh, we have our neighbor running for a city council, did you vote for him? And I'm like, he wasn't on my ballot because he is set up as a different kind of candidate that I wouldn't see in my ballot in my husband's side his. So it's it's so complex even for people that have access to the information so I can only imagine for people that don't have where to look for that information because they're not comfortable with English they're comfortable with another language and it's it's hard to understand the entire process and be an informed voter right an yep. informed citizen um, acting in your community acting in your city state at a federal level it's yeah it's uh, it's very complex <laughs> correct it is you know, when I finished grad school, um, there were some things, you know, still in the American political system that I'm still, you know, trying to, de you know, decipher and like, I, I, I read a little more and I, I'm constantly reading to try to like get, go a little through really uh, with, with all these systems and, you know, there you can spend your life reading on each state, you know, all the political history that there is in each one of them. And, you know, you will, there's always changes and, you know, you will never completely understand what's happening. So it's, it's an, you know, as we say, as an in interpreters and translator, it's a never ending education for us, right? And so um, we really are um, looking at, you know, all, all the things on the, um, you know, the components that a political consultant would look at, a political strategist, a political communicator, um, and we really portray that into the other language and or delivery is, you know, of the product that's interpreting and translation. So um, we really get to to work with um, smart people like in, in, in neuroscience, neurolinguistics, you know, behavior, um, political science, psychology, uh, translation, interpreting. Um, they all bring, you know, their something to the table that is meaningful to the conversation and you know it, it's always um the, the projects are you know sometimes for a really particular really narrow area but sometimes we're like looking at a whole state and so it depends on you know the project and, and the complexity of it but it's always like a little bit of a challenge it's always a little bit different it's always a little bit of a different ideology it's always a different client so that keeps it a little, a little spicy <laughs> I don't know. Wow, yeah, I can only imagine. And um, just one last question that I had, because I needed to understand if you go into, from Spanish into English as well, and if you ever had to uh, try to contextualize 
the diversity of Latin American politics to an English context, because um, I translate from Portuguese to English as well. And uh, there's one example that was circling in my head as I was preparing to talk to you about this topic. And it was um, actually for subtitling, it was a series from Brazil set in the 90s. And they have, you know, two very opposite kind of sides, like the law enforcement and the kind of the, you know, people breaking the law, but they're trying to be like, you know, they're the good guys with the social justice and that kind of thing. So um, it's very clear what people creating the show was trying to convey because the law enforcement uses some kind of um, wording that the other side of the story doesn't. So the one example that I can give you more concretely is when uh, the law enforcement character uh, mentions the 1964 um, event in Brazil. So let's just put event as something neutral. Uh, on his side, from law enforcement, from someone that supported what happened, he would say that it was a movement. It was a movement. And uh, from the other side, from the social side, as the show was trying to show, um, they say it was a coup, a military coup, a takeover of the military and the government in Brazil. So how can you explain this to an American audience that would be watching a show with subtitles in English and not get the nuance of this character chose to say the 1964 movement when everybody else would say it was a military coup? So um, luckily I was working on the translation itself. I was working on a template that was preparing other translators to come in and translate from Portuguese to French, German, Spanish. If they don't speak Portuguese, they would read the template in English and get some context to adapt their subtitles. So I had notes. I had notes to add to the subtitles, so it was perfect to just give that context and have links, go to Wikipedia and research this. So I was just giving the, leaving these breadcrumbs for other subtitlers, right? But what if you have to do something like that and you can't add translation notes, you can't add, you know, okay, click here <laughs> to learn more. How do you deal with that, that kind of, uh, of challenge? You know, um, I always like to, when, whenever we are talking about, you know, subtitling or something like that, to put the uh, country in parentheses. So for example, if I put English United States, um, I would try to use something on the wording that would you know would try something very militarized for example um and then you know try to like you know use some sort of um you know real really quickly like three sentences of like w w otherwise known as for example so like they would also also be like okay so what is happening here so then you know within the the, the subtitling after that you know you, you kind of like pinch on like you know what what is you can still communicate with you with your audience and so um it, i would say for example like but if an english person is watching the exact same thing and i, I use a very particular word for the united states it's not gonna make sense and it will not you know it will not have the exact same um, idea, right? So the idea is really to understand your audience, and in this case, to try to be as narrow as you can. And so, um, in political culture, at least, uh, we do have national identities. We all do, and so we all have. Either we like it or not, um, but it's it's a it's a way where we uh, identify at least with a passport or with some sort of thing. You know, uh, it's it's beyond our language. It's beyond our cultures. 
it's really, you know, the political history that has happened that, you know, that led to some territory become what it is today, right? Little or big or whatever it is. And so you have a way of playing with this political history with this particular audience. So, if, you know, again, if you're playing with subtitles, with subtitles United States, and then try to like say, okay, what are, do Americans relate to? And obviously, you know, there's a lot of audience that watch in English and prefer American English, but you know, there's, you can never just, you know, say, hey, I'm gonna be 100%, you know, correct, and that's like, because there's jokes still, you know, that um, we, we can never translate. And as much as we try, as much as we could be, as, as, as much as, you know, these cultural ambassadors and make justice to what is happening, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that get lost. And uh, we need to, I think we need to be a little okay with this idea, but in political translation, at least, we need to know what is a must be in there and what we are okay with losing in the translation, you know, and, you know, making this and in, 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 in t- taking into consideration and what are we looking into at more to actually put into the text than, you know, what we're trying. And we're okay with, you know, letting slide. But um, these things that we're okay with letting slide, we always try to consult with our client and try to see like, okay, this is how this is not gonna happen. Sometimes it's a little annoying for them because they did not understand a lot of these language components. So we try to make like, you know, a whole um, thing all together and try to like, go once and you know try to one one meeting <laughs> but uh it's all about communication with your client and uh, at the end of the day they are the ones that are trying to do or trying to reach audiences right and so at the end of the day you're just the one that can do so much for them right exactly so. and, and summarizing it i think that's one of the areas you know and legal of course um, that you can't take sides as a translator just because you think that this ideology or this movement if you like it or you don't like it you can't say I'll put this word here because that's how I feel you have to really get the the intent of the original material if they're saying this you have to just go for that message um, if uh, you side with one side or the other you should just not take the project if you disagree with it instead of you know oh I don't like what they, they're saying in the original I wouldn't use this word so I'll change it you can't you have to be completely neutral and you have to just serve the purpose of first of all informing the target audience and second of all being true to the intentions of the original so uh it's kind of a selfless act and you have to really be just a vessel in a way you know, to just let it, it go and uh get the message through it, it's funny that you mentioned that because you know <laughs> i wanted to talk about this but i don't know exactly how to portray it right we all have biases we we all do we all come from somewhere we all have or a history or we all have you know our ideology and really in the editing part, uh, because we need to do our own editing and we have additional editing. But the idea to look for in the editing is, is my ideology portraying in here? Is that the star of the text? Or is it the ideology of the client who has, you know, their intentions with this text is dot, 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 dot. Right, so um, what I always try to think about as our work is that we are as lawyers, right? Sometimes we're public defenders, or sometimes we are DA, sometimes we're like, you know, um, obviously there's uh, ethics to this, and so if you're strongly against something, you cannot 
do the job period like you i mean you are going to do a terrible job probably intentionally or change the register change the tone something a little bit here or there that um the quality of the project just because you disagree will you know make make it not worth it for your client right so what we really need to be a little professional in this and really think about for example, if we are strong, strongly in this, what, this side or strongly in this side, oh, okay, this is going to be my, my, my client list, right? So only in this side because I cannot stand the other side, right? Or if I'm going to be in the middle because I don't mind or, you know, whatever it is that you decide to do with your clients as in any other field, you decide who your clients are, you know, and, and the client relation, client, you know, relation that you start having is like, okay, who pays you on time and who you decide to work with after and despite of, you know, so all, all of those, uh, these little things come into account, but in this case, it's more like, um, ideology wise, how am I okay with every word that is coming out of his mouth or her mouth, right? And so, um, how much, uh, is this candidate going to hear my advice? Because there's so much we can do. Yeah. You know, like there's ways and times where, I've said, you know, this is gonna just gonna backfire on you. Like, don't do it. Like, I don't care. I just needed to translate it. I don't, you know, okay. You know, so at the end of the day, we need to be a little more comfortable that our work is speaking on behalf of somebody else, right? So there's so much, so many theories and so many things that we could do. Uh, but at the end of the day, we need to have a clear communication with a client and say, okay, this is really how it looks like I mean a lot of people are really comfortable with okay do it it's done and you know send and like print woohoo it's it's over with but um, sometimes the, the more communication the more understanding they get the more awareness they are and you know even the payment gets a little better because they actually see what what the, what was well, the work that are you actually doing uh, and what it entitles and you know how complex it might be and how they would never really get to that point without you um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess really in, in this is, you know, political communication is key for, you know, inside and outside. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you just summarized perfectly um, how to position yourself as a specialist and be uh, necessary to your clients. Because like you said, if they understand that you're not just, you know, a walking dictionary, <laughs> that you're actually Correct. adding value to their message and you're helping them communicate effectively with the other side, with the other uh, part of their audience that doesn't speak their native language, that's how we become um, indispensable. Because then they know that, oh, I need this person to help me. And uh, this person will be my voice for this target audience. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation that just opens up so many things that people can think about of how to specialize in what they like. And uh, sure. yeah, there's so many uh, areas that you can go to into politics. So I really appreciate you just sharing your experience. Um, I would like just to invite people. Um, I'm going to be presenting at uh, the American Translator Association Conference uh, in Los Angeles in October. So if you're going, um, I would really encourage you to go to the session. It's called um, Political Translation, a Speech Writing, Discourse Analysis, and Storytelling. Um, I'm really trying to dive into the transcreation portion um, and how to try to think in the different ways and to portray your text. Um, so 
Um, if you're interested and if this uh, interview got you interested in political translation, um, there's so many things and many ways that you could get uh, more information about it. So um, thank you. Thank you, Rafa, for inviting me. Perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, reading more about your presentation in October. And uh, yeah, I really think that uh, people are going to be flocking to your presentation, or they should, because it's just fascinating. <laughs> They'll learn so much about transcreation and communication, uh, being effective in what you do, and being, um, as much as we can, unbiased. So Perfect. thank you so much for your work and for sharing your story. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay, you too. Send us an email at arlombardino at wordawareness.com or leave a voice message on the Translation Confessional Anchor page. If we get enough feedback and voice messages, we can go back to this subject and post a special podcast episode with everyone's opinion on this very same theme. By the way, our Anchor page is anchor.fm slash translation confessional. We look forward to hearing from you. Stay tuned for weekly episodes and subscribe to Translation Confessional through your favorite podcast app.